I'm Dana Harris, Editor-in-Chief at IndieWire, and this is IndieWire Influencers. Today our guest is Henry Rollins, the peripatetic uh, actor, activist, writer. I actually want, I want to start off by getting, I mean, we're here to talk about uh, He Never Died, but I want to hear kind of an inventory of everything that you've got going on. Because as you just said, you're basically coming here straight off a plane and haven't slept yeah. in three days. And what the, you know, why, where have you been now? The last time we talked, you were talking about like being on, you know, basically every far-flung, most dangerous place on the planet. Last time you and I spoke a few months ago, I think I just come back from Central Asia and He Never Died was getting ready to roll out at festivals and was doing that. Since then, let's see, I did an interesting bit of travel on the Napo River in Ecuador, uh, getting uh, educated on uh, biodiversity and uh, interdependent ecosystems like water, trees, uh, birds, snakes, spiders, right. uh, lichen, moss, parasites, etc., uh, and how big oil and big timber is really predating upon Ecuador. And I came back from that uh, via Easter Island, which was amazing and sad at the same time. Uh, 6,000 locals, 80,000 tourists who are all drinking water, flushing toilets, eating, littering. And so they're burying the garbage on the island and not a lot of what should get off the island back to the mainland, plastic, whatever it does. So I took all my plastic water bottles and got them back to Santiago. I didn't leave anything on Easter Island. Uh, Three weeks ago, I was in Antarctica uh, at the edge of the Antarctic Peninsula for two weeks, again, learning about uh, the ecosystem, um, glacier ice, sea ice, et cetera, the penguins, the seals, uh, water systems, weather systems, trying to understand how the world works uh, so I can uh, really hit hard on when someone says there's no such thing as global climate change. And I can say, oh, come here. (laughs) I got something. And I, so that all that's happening. Um, there's a film I wrote the screenplay for, for called Gutter Demerung. It's finished. I was in London the other night. We rolled out a few scenes from it uh, for the press and for people who showed up. That's going to roll out next year. Uh, so all of that's happening. And I'm about to leave for about a year of shows. And so all of that is kind of swirling in my head all at once. Jeez Louise. And I owe an article to The Guardian in like 12 hours <laughs> in the UK. So, um, Okay, before I get into the movie, because I really do want to talk about that, this, this I presume, this kind of uh, peripatetic, which is a word I love, because it kind of describes you And no perfectly. one uses it, so yeah, congratulations. It, it's a great – it's just – but it kind of describes you. It's like people who don't stay in one place very long, right. also are an uh, Aristotelian philosopher. So, hey, you're good either way. Um, but it's like, but this makes you happy. Yes. This kind of. Oh yeah. No, this is willful. I, I, I'm not told to do this. I don't have a boss. Well, except for Heidi at the office. Right. But I want to be busy. And I do, when I, I'm off the road, I, I live in Los Angeles. I got a nice place to live. It, it, you know, it's just me, my books and my records. It's fine. Although within six days, I, I, I start to disenjoy the contentment. Like, wow, this place is really comfortable. It feels like a coffin. And the rest <laughs> of the world starts calling to me. I'm like, you know, you should be out there. And so I prefer my backpack, a hotel, a tour bus, 
a hovercraft, anything that's getting me somewhere. Because when I'm off the road, I feel like I'm not trying. And I don't know what that's about, but i that's my conditioning at this point. I've been living this way for about 35 years. And I just have a low threshold for boredom. And also, I come from the minimum wage working world. And I, I don't really have any skills except the desire to not be bored and the bravery to go on an audition and get laughed back to the back to the parking lot. <laughs> and, and so I just sign up for things. Hey, you want to be in a movie? Yeah, I'll try that. You want to try some voiceover? I'll put my voice over something. I mean, what do I have to lose? Right. I can go back to my spatula, my apron. <laughs> and so that makes me not exactly brave, but just kind of curious. And now my resume looks like it's like three or four people, but it's just me saying yes to things and being okay with swinging hard, missing, and going, well, you know, you look good striking out, but, you know, at least it was an honest, honest attempt. Because I do a lot of auditions and don't get the thing all right. the time. Well, I mean, you know, in, for um, He Never Died, we, you know, you and I met at uh, South By this year when, mm -hmm. it, when it premiered, and uh, and now it's coming out. And is, this was an Indiegogo financed film, I believe? It, it was financed through multiple uh, forces. But to get it onto the big screen, they, I think they went to Indiegogo to right. try and get the last oomph of money to get the thing over the wall. Where the initial money comes from, uh, to be completely honest with you, I have no idea. In that maybe Which is a nice thing. Maybe it was told to me at once. Yeah. And so, that information is so inessential to me in that I have nothing to do with it. I was probably told and I forgot. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being evasive, but we went strong on an Indiegogo campaign that failed. Uh, we tried to – what I forget the dollar amount, but we fell like woefully short and sent oh, really? every – Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, it completely failed. I think we went like like 50 grand or whatever it was. We got like 80 cents, <laughs> and I think all the money was sent back. I think that's the policy. You're not going to go – throw your money out and not get something. And that was to get the film on more screens right now in December. And that failed like like horribly. Uh, and I wrote some thank you letters because people wrote me, hey man, I just sent like 50 bucks to your movie. Yeah. Like, damn, that's that's really cool of you. Because who has 50 bucks just to throw sure. at something? And so that failed. Uh, it was a, it was an attempt and I did all these like on camera, hey, if you can <laughs> do this and everyone went, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> And so, but in spite of all that, uh, the film hits some screens now. It goes immediately after that into iTunes and any on-demand thing you can do. And again, that's really not my part of all of it. For sure. me, I'm on the artistic end. And when they said, hey, would you do some work on I'm like, yes, I'll do whatever I can. Any interview you line up, you want me to have dinner with the winner of the thing, you got it. Because I love the movie and I really like the people who made it. Good, really good people. And they believed in me. I'm, in that way, I'm very canine. Like, you trusted me with this? Man, I, I will give you half my sandwich for the rest of my life because I, I can't believe that, that they trusted me with their project. They made me the lead, and they said, look, here, take it. No audition. We know you can do it. And I said, man, I, that, I respect that. I fear I fear failing. And so, yeah, um, well, actually, let's talk a little bit about that because you say you fear failing. Hmm. But at the same time, like you said, this, okay, the campaign failed. And I have to believe that with your you do so much, you try so much, you must know failure because oh, you, can't, you can't do that much and be successful. Oh, absolutely. And you better know some failure. Otherwise, you, you, you become brittle. Like you got to be able to get a bad review or go up there and, and just say and, – and, and 
you know, go into an audition and walk out, they'd just be sweating from humiliation. Like, <laughs> wow! It's amazing how bad someone can be for four minutes standing on a piece of yellow tape in Burbank. Um, the failure that I'm talking about that you can never do is once you get the job, like, hey, Henry, be Jack and he never died. It's the lead role. I can't go on day one of shoot day unprepared, high, uh, with a cold, with a bad attitude. I can't. Sure. You've given me the job. Now I must succeed or die. Mm -hmm. If it's an audition, you're going up to the plate and you're swinging. You, you miss. All's fair. Like it's you and 40 other guys are going to run up for that part. Only sure. one's going to get it. It's fine. When I go on stage, I can't fail you. Forget the money aspect. You, you bought a ticket, fine. You're giving me your time. That to me is the thing that terrifies me. You know, it's 30 bucks of your life. Okay, I, I'm not after your money. I don't want to waste your time. And so I can't go on any stage unprepared. Uh, oh, I'll just get improv it. No, I over-prepare. Every, you'll, if you've, you may have seen me on stage, either sure. on video or whatever, like two and a half hours speed of light talking. I, almost all of that is not exactly choreographed. I know exactly where I'm going from the next topic to the next topic. I worked on that so hard because you hired a babysitter, you paid for parking, tomorrow morning you're getting up at 5 a.m. to go back to the cubicle. This can't not be good. And I'm not saying I'm great. I'm just saying I, I'm hell-bent on not failing you. Same thing with any book I do. Anything that it's a finished thing, it better be good. And I, I, I don't think you can, as a performer type, you can ever overthink or overworry that enough. How did you get to that point? I mean, it's like, because I mean, you've been doing this obviously for a very long time, and I have yeah. to believe you didn't, you know, you didn't come to this realization fully formed. I mean. Here's how, and I'll make it very brief. Black Flag. I joined Black Flag in 1981, down the road from here, where we're sitting right now. And those guys were so hardcore. Like band practice for me with my little band back in D.C. was like 15 minutes. Most of it, shut up, you shut up, two songs. Right. I got to go to school. I got to go to work. And, you know, that's it. We're ready for the show. Black Flag was hours of band practice. We're going to play this song six times. We're going to play it at different speeds. We're going to play it at half speed so we all understand how the kick, snare, and bass lock together. We called it trudging. We'd take a set and it would take two hours to play it because we would play it at... Dun, dun, dun. And it was excruciating. But by the time you got on stage... Man, you were ready. Like you weren't thinking, how do we do that? You're like, how much is this going to hurt these people? We're going to bring so much pain to this building because we are ready. Right. And that's the ethic I brought to the Rollins band. I said, fellas, get ready because band practice, it's a whole new world for you. We're living in this room. And before be, before we go on stage, you're going to know these songs. There's no questions. There's no warm-up gig. How dare you insult an audience? We're warming up in front of you. Uh-uh. We're only here to, to kill you in the most wonderful yeah. way. And so I learned – I get that ethic from you – know, my parents are very hard workers and all that. But as far as artistically, like be ready, ready, Black Flag, Ginn and Dukowski, those guys were just work mavens. And, and I got it. I got it to me. I go like, this is how you don't go on stage and have your fans go, oh, I only want to – destroy the audience, not hurt them, of course, know, but just be ultimate or don't show up. And that's how I, I go into every interview. Everything I do, I don't ha Can we curse on this? Please be my guest. I don't half-ass anything. <laughs> and I'm not trying to say that I'm great or anything, but man, I, I take all this seriously. Not me. Right. I don't take myself seriously, thankfully. 
but everything I commit to, I come on with it. Even if it's a part like, okay, Henry gets eaten by a bug, he dies, it, it's, you know, he's in the thing for seven seconds. I prepare as much for one day of shooting in a $4 movie as I did for He Never Died. I memorize my part, your part. I, I try and eat the entire script. Well, it's funny you're saying that. Like you say you don't take yourself too seriously. And I would think that would come in handy in terms of the way I guess the failure is good, which is the which is the willingness to fail, the willingness to go yeah. out on auditions, the willingness to not you know to not you know to not get the part. You know, how does that you know, how does that balance out for you? How do you manage that? It gives you a good sense of humor. And you realize that uh, you can do a good audition, but you know, you're too old for the part. Or you're not going to look good with those two other thugs they've cast. It wasn't you. It's just, you know, you're not tall enough. You are fine. It's just you're not part of the mosaic. But also, life is short. And for me, I can't tell anyone what to do. But for me, I must be brave because I'm not naturally brave. I must have the will to confront myself, elements and whatever, because my normal self will, will not. And if I had my way, if I didn't kick my own ass, I'd probably just sit in one room and listen to two records and read the same book over and over again. Uh, so I force myself, like I, I have two different kinds of listening for music. I have carbohydrate listening and protein listening. During the week, I listen to new music. Where I have to, it's like push-ups. Like I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm listening, I'm engaging, I'm taking notes. On the weekends, I can listen to the music I from my youth. That's that's the carbohydrate listening. Right. And so my nature is to play just the carbohydrate records and sit in a small room and, and avoid all contact. So knowing that's if I like it, that can't be the way to go. And so I go the opposite way. So hey, you want to audition for this? Like oh, wow, my stomach is in a knot. Yeah, hell yeah, I'm going. And you just go right in there and just jump at it. And so I have learned to go against most of my instincts because my instincts are like go into a ball and just get left alone. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like you're doing a pretty good job of uh, battling those. I mean, it's like really, it's like when's the last time you did that? I mean. Uh, uh, like a hundred years ago. Yeah. Uh, I got a taste for travel and being on the road. And, and like I said, again, Black Flag, that was so such a hard learning curve because the audience was very hostile. And they, if they didn't like a song, they'd take it out on the singer. And that, that was always me. So I'm always like the, the point guy to get the beer bottle, the ashtray, the fist, the foot, the cigarette, and the leg. And that kind of toughened me up to where oh, you're going to go on some audition. Like that really doesn't blow my hair back because I've been through way worse. No one's going to put a cigarette on your leg. It's, uh, I I got a, my left leg has a few of those uh, still, you can see little scars to this day. Um, And so the bottom line is, I, I think it's good to be able to laugh at failure you know, when you give it the good old college try, as they say, and, and you still don't make it, you just have to be able to just lose it by the time you're back on the 101 and just go, hey, hey, I lived to, to play another day. Well, it's also, I mean, the fact that you do so many different things, do you think that helps as well, just in kind of like, you know, spreading the risk, as it were? Look, what that's done for me, yes, I, yes. But what that's done for me is I've learned a basic aptitude in that, if you want to do rock and roll, for me, it's discipline, focus, intensity, and believing that moment when you're in it. That's really no different than acting. And I've never taken any acting classes, but that's kind of acting 101. Sure. In that moment, hey, there's a monster, obviously, like everything and he never died. None of that can happen. 
but when you're in that moment, it is that is what's happening. And when you're in the middle of a song, you sang that song 40 times in the last two months. But in that moment, when you're on that stage, that's like you're never going to sing it again. And the, and the end of the world is in 20 minutes. It's now. And when I was able to make that leap and go, oh, wait a minute. Music is a guitar. Acting is a banjo. They're both with a neck and strings. They're cousins. And you, I can take everything I've learned on stage from thousands of shows and put it into acting. And then everything clicked where I stopped being afraid of auditions. And I went from, man, I can't wait to show. I have three ideas for this. And I can't wait to go in that room and yell and get into it. Right. And then go onto a set and just be completely, oh, the guy's a maniac. You want to see a maniac? Back up. I got I got your maniac. Or like years before, I'd be like, oh, I'm self-conscious. I have to yell at an audition. They're going to hear me out there. <laughs> now I'm like, you should listen. Because I'm going <laughs> to, you'll hear me, you know, one building over. And, and so for me, I go at all of this stuff. Like, hey, you want to try a voiceover? Yeah. Discipline, focus, believing it in the moment. All of it is just being present. And for me, I just want to do interesting stuff. And I, I, I keep that thing in mind. You know, every time, every high school teacher I had, they're pretty hard on me. You know, you're a failure or whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, you're right. And then maybe you're not right. And I, I still kind of walk with those wounds. And they're very instructive. I, I, I do a lot of what I do. At it. There's a lot of anger that fuels me. Uh, I think you and I talked about yep. this before. I, I'm fueled by anger. Not at you, not at anybody. It's just a, an anger to be curious. Uh, resentment from my own cowardice growing up. Like that guy shoved me. I should have shoved him back. Like, what was I thinking? I was terrified. Um, all of that comes into play. Um, I've heard, It's not a unique sentiment. I've heard people I won't name because they're not here to elaborate, but I've heard other people I greatly admire go, when I hit that stage, I'm coming on with the time my dad hit me, the time this happened, mm -hmm. that's what I'm bringing. I have so much of that in me, I'm almost embarrassed. So I should really be over it by now. And, <laughs> but it I'm seems not. to be serving you well. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's like you know, something that's really interesting to me is like you know, you are totally vested in yourself. I mean, in terms, you know, in you know, you know, Henry Rollins Incorporated, basically, and all the different things that you know, yeah. all the things that you do. Um, but also the fact that you do so many different things. Do you think that helps you in terms of? I, not feeling too vested in the outcome of any one thing? Well, well, I am in that I want to, whatever I'm doing, I want it to be ultimate. But once it's done, I'm done. Like I, I never listen to my own records. I only want to make them. I don't want to listen to them. My own, the films I'm in, I, I don't want to see them. I just want to make them. Like, <laughs> like go to the premiere. Like, can I just go on? Can I just start something else? I'd rather start building another ship. I don't want to sail in it. I want you to sail in it. I just want to get back to the, the workspace and start building the hull of the next one, be it a book or a tour or whatever. Right. And so I'm vested in the outcome of the final thing. So I make it ultimate. What you think about it, that's really up to you. If someone wants to slam it and hate it, that's the First Amendment to me. Say whatever you want. I'm kind of done in that I can't make the thing any different. It's done now. I can just put my fingerprints on something else. And so I'm I'm like a doctor walking out of the room after the guy died. I, there's nothing I can do for you, man. <laughs> and after, like, he never died. After the film has been promoted, I've done every interview that was asked of me because I'm that go-along, get-along guy. There's nothing I can do to help you with what you think of that movie except answer a question in that we can't shoot it again. Right. And I'm way down the highway to the next thing. 
in my mind these days, I'm in 2016, I'm getting ready for like 150 shows and all this other stuff I have to do. What is your show, what is your show gonna be called? Does it have a title, your show? Oh, oh the, the next tour? Yeah. Uh, for advertising purposes, different markets want you to name them. I'm so tired of naming tours, it's so corny, <laughs> but the, Europe, they wanna put a thing on a poster, so we, we called it Charmingly Obstinate. <laughs> Which at this point, you can read a lot of different ways. It's, it's kind of what I am because on my good days, I still believe that America can get somewhere, that we maybe will overcome homophobia, misogyny, unequal pay in the workplace. And then I, I see how we conduct ourselves. I'm like, look, we're not actually. We're not going to overcome. We're not doing any of that groovy stuff. We would have, we, we would have done it by 1866. Sure, sure. And so – uh, but charmingly obstinate, I'm like, nope, I'm not giving up on you homo sapiens as wretched as you are because I have so much evidence to tell you that we are awful. We are, we are destroying the planet. We're awful to each other. We kill each other. We're just, we're just, we're wretched things on two legs. We're disgu disgusting. Uh, but I, somehow I'm still hanging in with you because I'm one of you and I'm part of the problem. You know, right. <laughs> so I can't say it's you. It's it's me too, yeah. and so um, that's why I'm I'm trying to be charmingly obstinate because I'm not giving up on us, and that's that's why I called the tour that. For the rest of the tour, I'm just showing up, and the, my fat face will be on a poster. And I'm gonna go in there and do whatever. <laughs> so what? Is, so what is your uh, what is your obsession right now? It sounds like you're like you know from the travels you've been describing. It's like the, in terms of the, it sounds like the environment's kind of. Yeah, I'm just trying to understand bigger picture stuff. And my travel is usually I want to go to a place where a war was or uh, if I'm working with an NGO, like when I, when I do stuff with Drop in the Bucket, that's South Sudan and Uganda, where they're working, drilling water wells near schools to keep the kids hydrated so they can get literate and, and go forward. I, I, I was in uh, Central Asia last year and all the different stands just because I wanted to learn more about Genghis Khan fairly leveling all of it and then Stalin coming in and screwing up everyone's minds and taking Islam away from them. And then everyone re-ups with Islam. What does that look like in, in independence in 1991? And it was an amazing experience. The, so many people there are so warped. You know, they're traumatized from everything from the 12th century to now, sure. what's happened to them. And you realize that trauma is generational and that if, if mom and dad got, you know, terrorized, the kid's going to have, it's going to be in the kid's DNA. They, they march forward. And I've seen that in Vietnam. You see fourth generation kids with Agent, uh, Agent Orange, evidence of Agent Orange con uh, contamination. Um, and so that's usually the kind of travel I do. Very rarely do I go take pictures of like mountainsides and icebergs. Because as Bruce Lee said about boards and uh, Enter the Dragon, boards don't hit back. I only go into places that hit back. Like, don't go over there. That's a minefield. And I'm not a tough guy. I'm not looking to impress anyone. But I, I want to go places where I can learn about the human state. This last couple of trips I made over this year, I'm pulling the lens wide to see how the world is doing. And so I did some research and realized I could find out about – if I do some research on the Amazon River, which supplies 20 percent of the world's water, I can learn something. If I go to Antarctica, which supplies your phytoplankton, which is 50 percent of the world's photosynthesis, 
I can learn something. And I did. I learned volumes. And I'm still trying to, I bugged the geologist on that ship every day where he gave me an extra flash drive of information. He said, here, just take this and, and go woodshed. How do you set up these trips anyway? Like, I have an amazing travel agent. And she digs the fact that I go, I said, you know, North Korea, can you do it? She's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, we're, all, we're awake now. And she, I just call her. Her name is Rita. And I go, Rita, here's what I want to do. I want to go to Antarctica. I want a science-y thing. I want to get out on the ice. She goes, I got the ship. I got the crew. Just I'm on this. Just give me two weeks and get ready to surrender your passport or whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. And so I trust her. I, I outline what I want to do with great specificity. I send her an outline. And then she gets back. And she goes, okay, I got two companies I'm talking to. She gets it. And I've been working with her for a few years now. And she's put me everywhere from here to Mongolia. That's amazing. Yeah, because yeah. when you said geologists, like geologists, like there's no, you know, you can't get that on kayak.com. <laughs> yeah, well, there, there's it was a is a ship full of scientists, and you when you're not on the ice having penguins walk by you, you're you're at lectures. They're elective. You can sit in your room, or you can go down and get the right. the, the the lecture. And I, I went to all of them except one. I just I fell asleep for the whale one. But I, I anything on tectonic plates, water patterns, ice, glacier, ice, and all that. I was down there, front row, notepad, and then staying after bugging Bob the geologist, who loved it. He loved that I was in his face going, "Well, you, catabatic winds. Let's talk about that." He's like, "You got it, man." And we sit down and break it down. So, what do you do with all this information? It's like you know, you know it's going to hit stage eventually. Like this 2016, I will be telling the audience the layman's version because that's all I am. Here's what I learned. Here's this. Here's the compacted version of what happens when you warm water up. Like, no doubt, I bet you read the article in its entirety when NASA said there's more sea ice sure. and all the climate change. And I said, see, you socialists think it's getting colder. You know, you, you, it's, getting, it's getting cold. It's an ice age. You guys think it's warming up. You're idiots. And, you know, you're, you're socialists, whatever. Um, I, I asked Bob, the geologist, about that article, which, of course, he read. And he said, um, I said, those who really did read it know that it's very complex. Can you break it down for me? He said, yeah, here's why there's more sea ice. It took him th walking me through it three times before I got it. And now I kind of got it. And there's not time here. But, man, is it interesting. And it's not that hard to get your head around. You just have to want to get it. And that's why I went down there, to get better Understandings. So is that, and also too, is like, I mean, is your goal too is to be able to figure out how to re reduce that information about sea ice so that you can actually deliver that kind of information to an audience? Uh -huh. Yeah, I tried it two nights in uh, um, Asbury Park, New Jersey uh, last weekend. It's the first time I rolled out uh, all of that stuff in two, two paragraphs. And basically, kids, if you want to learn more, just type in these words and go, or don't. But don't let anyone make you think that the world's getting colder because there's more sea ice. It's actually the opposite. Sea ice is the evidence of the opposite. And here's why. And moving on. So, Henry, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. It's very, very nice to talk to you again. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of IndieWire Influencers. And please check out our other fine podcasts, Screen Talk and Very Good TV, which are available at iTunes and our own IndieWire.com.